0: john chapter 18 we looked at the first 11 verses and we saw judas betraying jesus this morning we pick it up in verse 12 and lord willing we'll get down to verse 27 and this morning we see peter denying jesus we also will see jesus being arrested and bound and taken first to annas the high priest and then to caiaphas the high priest And listen, if there's two high priests and it's not very high, we'll talk a little bit about that and there's a lot to glean in that. And there's a lot to glean in as we begin to see Jesus being uh, bound for us, Jesus laying down his life for us, Jesus being struck for us. We see a great picture of the Lord's love for us and again, the liberties and the freedoms and the healings we have through Jesus and what he's done for us. We'll also, again, look in great detail at Peter's denial of Jesus. We'll see how he went from following the Lord to following the Lord at a distance to denying the Lord once, twice, and three times, and then moving into a place of great sorrow and how easy it is to follow in Peter's steps. But praise God. Listen, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. We'll come back to it later on, Lord willing, but we're going to see and touch on Jesus's faithfulness to peter despite him and indeed he is a faithful lord and how the lord went and sought peter and restored peter and we serve such a god god who restores us a lord who is faithful to us even when we are faithless wasn't he faithful to you in 2019 can you say amen to that well listen uh he's gonna be faithful to us in 2020 as well let's read through our text here Verse 12 through 27, encourage you to really try to follow along, and then we'll jump up here and take this a verse or two at a time and hopefully leave here changed and knowing our Lord more and being more reflective of him. Verse 12, it says, Then the detachment of troops and the captain and officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, and it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Verse 19. Then the high priest priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me, ask ask those who have heard me what I said to them? Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, if I have spoken even evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with them?" Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Notice verse 12. Again, the detachment of troops had come with Judas, had come with the officers of the Jews and several leading men, and they had uh, showed up there, Judas showed who Jesus was by going, and he said, the one who I greet with a kiss, that's who you are looking for. Uh, We know from there that it says here that the mob of the troops uh, arrested and bound him, and indeed it was a mob. Uh, If you get into the Greek language and start comparing what they would call the verbiage there for Uh, the troops it's comparable to 600 men and so they brought a little army out to arrest the Lord Uh, 600 soldiers most likely comprised of Romans and the temple police and so the mob was there and the mob was there in rebellion against God and we see here a pattern that you see throughout the scriptures where men come against God and when they do that uh, listen, we can do that in a way, and we do that in a way often as individuals, but this brazen and this bold it 's almost, almost always uh, you know it in, in a mob group and with a mob mentality. you think of the Tower of Babel they gathered together, following Nimrod, and it was a mob. You think about when those two angels went into Sodom to worn lot it says the men came from every quarter out to try to know them carnally and indeed it was a mob throughout Jesus's ministry listen rarely would you see an individual if ever see an individual try to come against Jesus it was always a mob it was mobs in Nazareth who tried to pick up stones and throw them at him It was mobs and a mob in Nazareth to try to run him off the curb. And now here's a mob uh, as Jesus is being unlawfully arrested and tried, you know, binding him and bounding him. And then you go in the book of Acts and the word mob comes up over and over and over again. And it's always a mob trying to come against whether it's Peter and John or Paul and Barnabas, whoever it would be. And at the second coming, we know when Jesus comes back, indeed, it's going to be another mob gathered in uh, the valley of Armageddon coming against the Lord as all nations will gather together to come against him. And one thing we need to know is that God hates the rebellious mob. And it's not that he hates individuals, he loves individuals, and he died on the cross for every individual in that mob, but he hates the rebellious mob because the rebellious, rebellious mob, it destroys souls, and Jesus didn't come to destroy, Jesus came to save. Psalm 26.5, it says, I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. And this is something that we need to be reminded of we are not called to follow the mob we're not called to follow the ways of the world listen just because the majority believes something that doesn't mean that that's right that doesn't mean that that's the right way to go probably all of us growing up we heard at least one time if everyone jumps off a bridge are you going to jump off as well I always step back when I hear that and I think, where did that start? You know, was there a group of kids jumping off the, you know, how how has that become this phrase, you know, in our culture today? But there's truth there. Just because the mob believes something, just because the mob's doing something, that doesn't mean that we are called to follow because oftentimes, listen, the majority doesn't have it right. Oftentimes, the majority has it wrong. And this mob out here was the majority coming out here to bind the Lord and to arrest him. And they had it wrong. We need to make sure, and we'll get more into this, that we are following the Lord first and foremost. And we are not following the mob. Proverbs 115 says, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. In context, talking about that rebellious mob. And then Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Notice, and there are many who go in by it. So in other words, that path and that gate to hell is wide, wide, And there are many, there is a mob headed down that path that's, you know, bigger than a six-lane highway. Any of you go down south for Christmas, you were on one of those six-lane highways, and it still wasn't big enough. You know, this massive mob. But then the Lord said in Matthew 7, 14, Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And you know who's on that narrow path? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's be a people on that narrow path. Let's be a people on the way of the truth and of the life. And I know this is where some people step back and this will be a theme we see come up more than one time in our text this morning. Some step back and they say, but it's lonely. It's lonely being on that path. It's lonely if you're not there with the mob. And I'm here to tell you that that's not true because Jesus Christ is on that narrow path. And where there's Jesus, there's fellowship with God Almighty. And where there's Jesus, there's life. And listen, where there's Jesus, there is blessing to be found and blessing to be walked in. Do you not want to be a blessed people? Can we say amen to that this morning? Are we pro blessing today? Can we say yes to that? Listen to Psalm 1 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in, the, in season, whose leaves shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Listen, it's far better to be in that place walking with that Lord, walking with the Lord, walking in that place of blessing, Walking in that place spiritually where those things that, again, are being sowed of the spirit are prospering, than walking with the mob. It looks like a party at times where the mob is on that wide path, but again, the end of that path leads to destruction, and also it leads to sorrow and emptiness because the mob cannot give you what you need. What you need is relationship with God, fellowship with God, salvation that only comes from God through the person of Jesus Christ. So here's the mob, and the mob goes, and they arrest Jesus, and they bind him. Now again, we saw last week that when they asked Jesus, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am, and the whole mob, the 600 plus of them, fell back on their back. And then from there, we saw Peter take out his sword and cut off the ear of malchus the high priest servant uh we talked about the fact that he was mindful of the things of man not the things of god at that point and the lord corrected him and then the lord did something wonderful something he does for us so often the lord cleaned up peter's mess and we thank god for that that not only does he forgives us but he comes and he restores what the locusts have eaten Uh, in second service, you know, and it came to my mind, you know, the king of king cleaners, you know, Jesus's janitorial company, man. He comes and he cleans things up, and they all saw that. They saw themselves knocked on their back. Can you imagine the power of God knocking you on your back in that way? This wasn't some you know, tent revival where people got hypnotized, you know, fell over and nothing came of it. This was God speaking and these people being flattened. And then they saw God picking up a man's ear that had been cut off and it had to have been bleeding profusely and healing him. And then we know that the Lord in another gospel said that at any point he could call for 12 legions of angels and they would come down and destroy the whole lot of them but despite all of that Jesus did not he could have and he would have been justified in doing it but he didn't and he didn't do it because this is why he came he came willingly and willingly he let them bound him willingly to let him arrest him willingly he let them crucify him why because he was thinking about are you ready for this he was thinking about you And he wanted to make a way of salvation for you and for me and any and all who would call upon the name of the Lord. He laid down his life so we can live. is that not good news today? I mean, that's glorious, glorious news. Also know this, listen, he was bound. He laid down his life so we could have everlasting life by grace alone, through faith alone, and him alone. Again, he would resurrect from the dead and defeat death. He was also bound so that our bondages could be broken jesus christ is into breaking bondages are you in bondage to anything practically this morning well the lord jesus christ is his heart that those bondages would be broken in 2020 do you believe that do you know that i know some people begin to think but i've been in this bondage practically for such a long time i don't know if it can be broken but listen All things are possible in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to save our soul, and he came to break bondages. He proclaimed it himself. When he was in Nazareth, he went in there in the synagogue, and he opened the scriptures to Isaiah 61. And he read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, notice, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He became a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Notice, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise God, we come to him, and the bondage of sin positionally is broken. We're under the shed blood of the Lord. And then the Lord begins to work on our lives practically. And listen, if you want those bondages broken, I'll give you one word. I'll give you the name of the person who is the bondage breaker. It's the name of Jesus. Draw near to the Lord. Throughout John, we have seen that theme over and over. Believe in him, abide in him, draw near to him, And you will bear much fruit. And listen, the more fruit that is born in your life, the more those things are broke to the glory and the honor of God. Listen, don't give up hope this morning. Continue to draw near to the Lord. Continue to rejoice in God. To continue to allow the Lord to work in your life. Can we say amen to that today? And then notice 13 and 14. It says, And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Now, what's interesting, as you continue to read the text as we just did, before they send him to Caiaphas, he goes to Annas first. When he's there with Annas, um, Jesus answers his question, and then one of the temple police there strikes the Lord and they say how dare you speak to the high priest that way so who's the high priest Annas is claiming to be the high priest and Caiaphas is claiming to be the high priest and biblically there was only one high priest in the old testament and if there's two high priests then it's not very high is it just think about it Well, history reveals to us, and you can see this in the scripture as well, Annas was removed by Rome. The Jews were under the authority of the Romans. And Annas had four sons and a son-in-law who he would rotate through to be the high priest. And really, they were considered the puppet priest, And Annas was considered to be the high priest by the Jews. Oftentimes, though, as it is, God and men see things differently. That's how the Jews saw it. But God obviously saw Caiaphas as being the legitimate high priest as acknowledged by Rome, because earlier in that year, God gave a prophetic word, not to Annas, but to Caiaphas. And indeed, we see it's a prophetic word. We read about that or read about it in John chapter 11, that the Lord gave him a prophetic word, even as an unbeliever. Listen, God can speak through a Uh, through a donkey if that's how he needs to get the message across and he spoke a prophetic word that one man as it says here uh, would it be expedient that one man should die for the people and it was a true word that one man would die for the people it'd be the person of Jesus Christ who would not only die for the people of Israel but for the people of the world for us to make that way of salvation for us. It was a truth right there. Their problem was, is they interpreted that prophecy wrong. They took that as someone needs to die for Israel so Israel can continue to prosper and not be wiped out by the Romans. They were very short-sighted in this prophetic word that had been given. God had a more grand plan. He had the plan of one man dying for all of mankind from Adam to the second coming of Jesus Christ, shedding his blood for us that again, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved and be part of the kingdom of God Not for 70 years here on earth, but forever and ever and ever and ever. His ways are higher than ours. Won't you agree with that? Also, just another note here, something that I think we should take to heart. Listen, it really doesn't matter what title you give yourself. Annas gave himself the title of the high priest. The Lord knows who you really are, knows what you were really called to do, and we are going to give an account for that, not for what we force our way into. Hear this this morning. Listen, if you're a fig tree, then produce figs. Don't try to produce apples because it will not happen. And if you're a fig tree, then abide in the Lord versus abiding in the desire to be an apple tree. If you abide in the desire to be an apple tree, you're going to wither up. But if you abide in the Lord, you know what you're going to do? You're going to produce figs galore. And of course, that's an illustration for us. Part of abiding in the Lord is finding what God has called us to walk in and then to go out and walk in that and to embrace it. And how many times have we been guilty of striving to something and to walk in something God has not called us to. And oftentimes it goes back to our pride. And it's a fruitless endeavor. It's a frustrating endeavor. Man, embrace how God has uh, made you in Christ and what he has called you to. And absolutely, uh, listen, run that race to the fullest to the glory of God Almighty. And don't worry about what men call you or how men put a title on you get about the business that he has placed upon you in the lord jesus christ now verse 15 it says and simon peter followed jesus and so did another disciple now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with jesus into the courtyard of the high priest now as we lay these things out and we compare scripture with scripture this is the first mention of Peter, after the arrest here. And it says here, first of all, that Peter followed the Lord. The next mention, if you put it in chronological order, if you look at the harmony of the Gospels, you go to Luke 20, 22 54, and it says, Having arrested him, they led him and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter, notice here, followed at a distance. And so we went from following the Lord to following at a distance. And we already read in the text, and we'll see more in detail. Then he goes to denying the Lord once, and then denying the Lord a second time, and then denying the Lord the third time. And we'll see each, each time this denial is, is even more aggressive and more profound. And then he would go to a place of great sorrow and a place of weeping. And this all, in part, was, you know what? laid on the foundation of Peter telling the Lord before no matter what happens I won't deny you if I have to die with you I'm willing to die with you it really went back to a place of pride now we've been learning through the gospel of John and Jesus is teaching in it that the closer we get to Jesus the more we abide in Jesus the more godly fruit we will bear to his glory and the more faith will abound Listen, abiding in the Lord is being in that place of not following him at a distance or following, you know, at a distance Then farther and farther and farther than moving into a place of beginning to deny him. But it's a thing of, again, getting near to him every single day. Abiding as Mary at the foot of the Lord, worshiping him, speaking with him, listening to him. It's us being a worshipful people It's us being a prayerful people. It's us being a people of the scripture. It's us being a people willing to make certain sacrifices to say, listen, I'm going to afflict my soul in this area. I don't want my life just to be about pleasure seeking. I want to put this aside so I can spend more time with my Lord. And that takes a real step of faith. But listen, life is found when you take those steps of faith. John 15, 5, I'll read it again. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And the closer we get to him, the more we abide in him, the more our faith will abound. The opposite side of that is though, the more we follow at a distance, the less fruit there is found there. The less our lives glorify God. The less joy is found. The remember there about abiding, he says, I speak these things that your joy may be what? Your joy may be full. The fullness of joy is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we need to take heed to this. We want to get close to the Lord, amen? We want to abide in him. We don't want to let stuff get between us and Jesus Christ. The more stuff you get between you and the Lord, the easier it is to get your eyes off of him. And that stuff isn't necessarily things that we would deem sinful in themselves. Listen, it can just be stuff that because we get an obsession or we get it out of order, it can be a good thing in itself, but soon it becomes an idol because it's between us and the Lord and we're putting it first and we're not putting Jesus first. Is Jesus first in your life? Be truthful with yourself. Ask that question this morning think of the call in hebrews 12 1. therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and again so easily stuff gets between us and the lord and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us notice here looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith for who for who Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God? And it's just like anything else. Listen, if you're following someone, if you're following someone on the highway, and the next thing you know, you know you're on that six laner again, and more cars get between you and them, it's easy to get lost. Now you're like, well, I'll just ask Siri, and she'll tell me where to go. Siri's not part of the illustration easy to get lost but when you're following and you're right behind now don't tailgate you don't want to do that tailgate jesus but not the person you're following the grandma's house then you can be led well and how oftentimes do we get this thing and that thing and that thing between us and the lord versus us being near the lord and those things being hitched on the back of the wagon problematic and it happens really really easy. It's really easy to drift, isn't it? You get unhitched from abiding in the Lord and making that a priority and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You get unhitched and it's easy 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 to begin to drift. Hebrews 2:1 Therefore we must give a more earnest heed to the things we heard lest we drift away. And what do we have heard? Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Get hooked on Jesus. Get anchored in his word. Otherwise, listen, we can move really quickly into into denying the Lord. And I'm sure all of us would say, listen, by the grace of God, I will never deny the Lord. And hopefully that's true at the minimum when it comes to our profession, If someone say, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Is Jesus Lord? Yes, he's Lord. But hear this. It's easy to be in that place where you profess Lord with your mouth, but you deny him in your thoughts, you deny him in your motivations, and you deny him in your deeds. Easy to move into that place. Really, in a way, is not when we practice sin and denial of the Lord because we're denying what he would have for us. You think of a maybe a man like Gideon who you don't know, embrace the call of God with a you know a, a small number to bring deliverance to the Lord, and he didn't deny the Lord in that he followed the Lord and he stepped out of faith but then after the victory when the people wanted to make him king he said no but uh, give me a little bit of that gold from the spoil of our enemy and he took it and it says he fashioned an idol and he set it up and everyone began to. Turn to that idol. That was a denial of the Lord. Now listen, he's in the hall of faith, and God was faithful to him. And praise God, we got a faithful Lord. But there was a denial of God to that. And listen, it cost Gideon dearly because his sons were wiped out because of the rebellion that was placed in Israel in looking to that idol versus looking to the Lord. And in our lives, God's going to be faithful to us listen to the end he absolutely is but we can begin to deny him in things that will ravish our life that don't bear the fruits of the holy spirit and this is where we got to be honest with ourselves and take an honest you know an assessment of what's going on in our life am i drawing to the lord or am i drifting from the lord it's one or the other You're like well i'm just in the middle i'm waiting here it's one or the other Just like last week we looked at, there's only two camps. You either have faith in the Lord or you don't. In that camp of Christ, you're either drawing near to him or you're drifting. Where are you? Now, it talks about another disciple here, and he followed the breadcrumbs. We see this other disciple was John himself, the author of this gospel. And you see John here, willing to take steps of faith. He's following the Lord, but it says he also went in with the Lord to Annas' palace there. And he inquired of the Lord. And it seems very clear from the text that he professed to be a disciple of the Lord because he gets Peter a pass to go inside and the gal says, aren't you also one of his disciples? So she's saying that predicated on John saying, I'm a disciple of the Lord. And John is the only disciple that we see doesn't run off. And I know this is where you step back. Oh, John, don't do that. That's a dangerous place. Security's found and running off in the face of danger that will get you killed john listen run away john climb up john go find a place of refuge a place of safety where the big bad world can't get you a lot of that mentality today right a lot of people say i gotta shrink back i gotta go find place i gotta i gotta, gotta go get a place where i can find some security listen security's only found one place in the person of jesus christ I don't care where you are on the face of this earth. It is only found in him. And you know what's interesting about this? John was the only disciple to die of natural causes. And John outlived all these fellas. Now listen, there was a lot of persecution on the way. Church history says they tried to boil them in oil and it couldn't kill them. They tried to do everything and they couldn't kill him. Finally, they said, Let's ban him on this island called Patmos. And guess what? He had a revelation from Jesus Christ. <laughs> steps of faith always trump, listen, moves of fear. Don't be led by fear, be led by faith. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Take biblical steps of faith hebrews eleven six 6 says but without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to god must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and when you take steps of faith oftentimes it's going to be in the face of being tempted by fear i like mark 16 17 it says these signs will follow those who believe in my name this is talking about believing in him for salvation and it's talking about believing in him day to day in our walks practically believing in him in our thoughts and our motivations and our actions he says they'll cast out demons they'll speak with new tongues they will take up scorpions and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover It's a picture of a life empowered by the Holy Spirit when we take steps of faith. God will keep you. God will go before you. Hebrews 3.12 says, though, beware, brethren, lest there any of you of an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, drifting from the Lord. Now, again, he's faithful when we're faithless. But while we're here on earth, we are called to abide in him and draw near to him and take steps of faith. And you know what's glorious? Listen, as you take steps of faith, you see God's faithfulness and it builds your faith even more. Now, verse 16 says But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now, again, John went in and obviously had a boldness. He said, I'm a disciple of Jesus. That's why she said, aren't you also one of his disciples? And amazingly, again, he was kept by the Lord. Very simple. Very simple, again, in word, but boy, isn't it hard oftentimes in our practice because the flesh resists that. He says, no, do things your own way. That gets you in trouble following the Lord. And even to get you in trouble with men, listen, God has a hand on you every step along the way. God kept John. But she asked Peter, aren't you one of his disciples? And he denied it. In Mark's gospel, we get more, more detail of this. In Mark 14, 66, it says, now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were one of Jesus, you, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know or understand the things you are saying. And he went out on the porch and a rooster crowed. And so, listen, he lied in this denial. I don't even know what you're talking about. And then he lied again. I'm not one of his disciples. It was a double lie. And because, again, this was all built on his pride. It didn't even phase him. He didn't even remember at this point that the Lord said, You're going to deny me three times. It seemed like the safest route, though, no doubt, in his mind. He's thinking, I'm going to be kept because the Lord right now is being grilled and they're beginning to strike him. They're beginning to beat him. He knew that they wanted to kill him. And he's thinking, This is the safest route to deny the Lord. Yet, listen, this would not lead him to being kept in a place of peace like John. It would lead him to a place of being unkept. It would lead him to a place of sorrow, a place of despair. It would lead him to a place of bondage, and sin always does that. Proverbs 22 8, he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of anger, his rod of anger, will fail. Always the case. Now notice verse 18, now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there for it was cold and they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So again, he goes from following the Lord to following at a distance to denying the Lord the first time. Now he stands among, again, the world members, part of the mob warming himself around their fire beware of baby steps away from the lord it really all started when he said lord i won't deny you when the lord said you're all going to be scattered the lord gave him the word there's going to be a fulfillment of prophecy the shepherd will be struck the sheep will be scattered not me lord yeah all these scrubs but not me i'm above them i'm a super disciple (laughs) that's where it started he didn't have a humble heart and recognize yeah i'm capable of doing that lord help me if it was prophesied i'm going to scatter then let me scatter but all the way i hope of crying out to jesus but instead he stood on i won't deny you then he followed he followed at a distance he denied the lord now he's warming himself around their fire listen beware again of those baby steps away from the lord they will lead to the world's fire we're to be in the world we've read that in john we've been taught that but not to be of it and absolutely we're not to be warming ourselves with the fires of the world the fires that bring them comfort the fires that warm their soul and so forth those strange fires that are not of the lord that again will burn out soon they're not lasting and it's easy to get in that place when you're running around, again, seeking the things that the world seeks first, living for pleasure versus living for the Lord. The Lord's given us different instruction. Second Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And Peter's here, yoked right up with them. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Bel? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and these shall be my people. Therefore, notice, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, again, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And when we're of the world, we put a hindrance on that father-son, that father-daughter relationship. But when we say, I'm gonna be in the world representing the Lord, but I'm not gonna be of it. I'm not gonna pursue their fires. I'm gonna pursue God Almighty. That father-son, that father-daughter relationship flourishes, and it's amazing how then you have a joy and there's a light that abounds, but hopefully some of those folks over this, around this little minuscule fire begin to look up and say, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm drawn to this. That's real life over here. Now, verse 19 says, the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and doctrine. Now, this is Annas. They're calling him the high priest here. Well, who is it, Annas, Annas or Caiaphas? He asked Jesus about his disciples and doctrine. Jesus answered them, I spoke openly to you in the world I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Now these men are full of evil suspicions. They hated Jesus. They loved their sin. They were hypocrites themselves who continually walked in secret? Who were one thing on the outside, were another thing inside, and they're projecting who they are upon Jesus. Surely, he's hiding something that's evil. Hear this this morning. Listen, First Timothy six four it warns against evil suspicions. First Corinthians thirteen five the love chapter says, "Love thinks no evil. It believes the best until it knows what's true." And yet, so many people, their life is driven by evil suspicions to their demise. Listen, evil suspicions will suck up your joy. They often lead to slander and foolish actions. And hear this they're often wrong. We should 100% test all things by truth, by the Word of God, by facts, but never by your hunch or your agenda. And some people run around and they test everything by their hunch. Well, I got a hunch. As one thing if the Holy Spirit reveals something to you. If he does, he'll confirm it by two or three witnesses. It will be confirmed as fact. But in 2019, it seemed like there was a rise of people being led by their hunch versus truth, the word of God, and the spirit of God. And I don't want to fall into that leaning on my own understanding i want to lean on god i want to lean on truth now notice jesus says listen i taught everything openly i taught it in the world i taught it in the synagogues he taught the same message everywhere he went it was repent and believe in the gospel Mark 1 15 says that he started off preaching repent and believe in the gospel and he preached that everywhere he went throughout John the theme we've seen over and over again is believe in me and to believe in him you got to turn from what you're believing to put your faith in him to be your Lord and he proclaimed this openly and boldly and hear this with clarity over and over and over again and God's word is proclaimed with boldness and with clarity Proverbs 8.8, all the words of my mouth are with righteousness and nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Now listen, with that said, hear this this morning, heed this warning. Beware of individuals and groups who claim to have secret knowledge. And there's a growing amount of these characters and groups all over the place. I get really leery when someone puts out a book and it's the secret of fill in the blank. It's the mystery of fill in the blank. It's the journey into the mysteries of the inner chambers. Listen, run away from individuals who claim they're speaking for God when what they're saying God is saying is not found in the scriptures. Or we see it all in between the lungs. Why well, I got the lines. I don't need in between the lines. Listen, run away from these revelations of supposedly Jesus speaking that are not found in the scriptures. The most popular devotional over the last 10 years is a book called Jesus Calling. And there's some scriptures in there, many of them taken greatly out of context. And most of it is Jesus says he's going to show up with flowers and candy and take you on a date tonight. When did Jesus say that? Serious. Go open up the gospels. That's Jesus really speaking. Open up the word of God. Make sure if you're reading a devotion, it is rooted and grounded in scripture, not in some word given to someone who is practicing occultic practices and indeed the author of that book does that she acknowledges god calling where they were listeners in a spiritual realm and it's completely a new age book now listen these groups oftentimes get big followings individuals get big followings why because people want to feel like they're special They want to know something other people don't know. And it appeals to the flesh and pride. But these things are all forms of Gnosticism. The occult, listen, it means secret. We know something you don't know. Jesus, I spoke openly. Go ask those who heard me what I said. I spoke with clarity. You can study God's word your entire life and you'll just be scratching the surface. If you've grown bored of that and you're like, I got to get something else. Listen, you need to get your heart right is what you need. Get in God's word. Listen, this is the third time I've taught verse by verse through John. I'm like, I could start teaching this again. There's so much here. We're not going to do that, but I could. His word is good. It will feed your soul. You'll get real revelation from God almighty as you dig deeper. Verse 22, and when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by Jesus, stood by, struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, do you answer the high priest like that? Now this is prophetic. He laid down his life for us. He was bound for us. He was struck for us. Isaiah 53, five prophesied hundreds of years earlier. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. For the, the chase, the or the chastisement of our for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He was struck for us. We deserve that strike. But he was struck by more than the hand of man, by the hand of God the Father Himself, for me, for you. And then here's this officer. Do you answer the high priest like that? You talk about blinders. Jesus is the high priest. <laughs> but he did this in his self-righteousness. I'm an officer of the high priest. Do you know who I am? Listen to this this morning. Listen, self-righteousness, legalism, it strikes at the person of Jesus Christ. I do it. Quickly, verse 23, Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Notice, Jesus doesn't strike him back. Can you imagine if Jesus made a fist and just punched him at one word? They all fell over. He could have literally knocked him to the moon. He does call him out, though. State your case, man. Notice here, no answer. How many run around in the world today believing they have a case against God? They have no case. They misinterpret his mercy and grace day after day with this idea that they're empowered and they're gonna judge God. Verse 24, notice, then Anna sent a bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Well, this guy just struck Jesus because he said, how dare you say that to the high priest? Now we're gonna send you to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, as you lay out the Gospels, Caiaphas must have been very nearby. In the other Gospels, we get detail of what went on at Caiaphas' place. I don't have time to read it, but Matthew 26, 57 through 68 gives a detailed account. They gather and they seek to bring false testimony against Jesus. None's found. Finally, someone says, I heard him say, destroy the temple of God. And he'll build it again in three days. And they all cry out, blasphemy. And they tear their clothes. And in 67, it says, then they spat in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palm of their hand, saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? And not only did he know every hand that struck him, he knew when they were conceived. He knew every cell of their being. He knew every hair on their head. And he continued to go through with it because he loved every single one that struck him. And really, it's been said many times, we were amongst that mob striking him and putting him on that cross in our rebellion, and yet he went through with it for you and for me. What an awesome God. 25, now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore, they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And notice the exclamation point there. At this point, Peter had settled himself into that fire. Jerusalem can get cold. It can even snow up in Jerusalem. And he's settling himself in this fire. Now he's kind of, you know, a picture of someone in a full-on backslidden state. And to his flesh, it was a lot more comfortable being there around that fire, being warm. A lot more appealing to his flesh than being bold for Jesus and what might come to him. And that's always the case. Listen. The flesh always is drawn towards that which is comfortable, that which seems secure. And that's at an epidemic all-time high. Speaking of the last day, 2 Timothy 3, 4 says, There'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power, and from such people turn away. And we need to turn away from our flesh that just wants to seek comfort, that just wants to live for the fires of this world. Hear this, listen, the more you embrace the things of the flesh, the more you're gonna deny the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's just the truth. He denies him a second time, and again, a big exclamation point, and in Matthew twenty six seventeen or 20, excuse me, 26, 72, it says, but again, he denied him with an oath. I do not know the man. So his denials are getting more brazen and bold. And then finally, 26 and 27, it says, One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him who cut off, who, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with them?' Peter then denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Now, the Lord had cleaned up Peter's mess and putting Malchus' ear back on his head. But there's still ramifications for sin. Because when you cut off someone's cousin's ear, the cousin usually takes note of who you are. It's like, hey, Holmes, you cut off my cousin's ear. I saw you out there, essay. That's what's going on here. He's pressing them. That hurts. Pressing him, pressing him. But here, you deny the Lord, you know what he will allow. He'll allow the world, he'll allow something else to come to begin to press you. He's not going to allow you to be comfortable there. He's around the world's fire. He's with them. But even there, he's not of them. They're comfortable. He's not comfortable at all. He's uncomfortable. Because in those places, you can't enjoy your Lord, and you cannot enjoy your sin. And this third time, listen, he really denies the Lord fiercely. Mark's gospel says in Mark 14, 70, and a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them. For you are a Galilean, your speech shows it. They spoke differently up there. Then, they, then he began to notice, curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. He's, he's dropping bombs is what he's doing. Fill in the blank of the curse and swear. Bible doesn't record those words, but it says he cursed and he sweared. And then that rooster crowed the third time. And listen to Luke's detail. Luke 22, 59, it says, Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he's a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Notice here. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Wow. Now listen, praise God and glory to God. The account is not in there. In Mark sixteen six, the Lord had resurrected. He appeared to the ladies that were at the tomb. And then in verse 7, he says, go... He, he, he says but go tell um excuse me the angel said go and tell the disciples as the angel appeared and peter for he is going before you to galilee and they will see him as he said to you and the lord sent those messengers to tell the ladies listen go tell the disciples and specifically tell peter tell peter the lord's resurrected in other words listen peter's deny me but i'm not going to deny peter I know Peter has faith. I know Peter's broken. And go tell him specifically. And then we read later in in John's gospel. Not only does the Lord forgive Peter, but the Lord restores Peter and even puts him in a higher place. And he asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter says three times, you know I love you. Then he says, feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. And everyone else could have written Peter off, but the Lord didn't write him off. No, the Lord did not write him off. He sought Peter. He found Peter. He restored Peter. And he said, Peter, you press on and do what I'm calling you to do. Aren't you glad the Lord does that for us? He's a glorious God. Let's stand up and close in prayer and worship of our awesome God. Heavenly Father, we bless you today. We give you praise and glory. We give you honor. We thank you for who you are and all you've done for us, Lord. We thank you that you're the King of Kings. We thank you that you were struck for us, you were bound for us. We thank you, Lord, that you lay down your life for us. I pray we would rejoice in that truth, God. and All the more, God, we would abound in you because in this you've also given us the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, listen, today's the day of salvation. Jesus went to the cross for you. He went to make a way for you to be forgiven, for you to be restored in a relationship with him, for you to have everlasting life. And it's a free gift, but make no mistake, it's a free gift that will cost you your life. That's what repentance is. It's saying, I'm gonna lay down my life. I'm gonna lay down my way. I wanna put my faith in Jesus. I wanna put my trust in you. I'm asking you to be my Lord, to govern my life. You're the king of kings. Be the king of my life. And listen, he'll meet you where you are right now. He won't deny any of the call on his name. If that's you today and you're saying, Yes, I want to call upon the Lord, listen, pray with me right now. Call upon him right now. Let's pray together. Those of you that know the Lord, I invite you to pray with me as well. Just pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I need you, I need to be forgiven because I'm a sinner I believe you died for me you rose from the grave to give life and forgiveness and salvation I believe your Lord save me and wash me and forgive me and help me right where I am right now I thank you Lord just bless any that have prayed that prayer shine your face on them and help us to finish well right now giving you praise this morning and honor your name. Let's worship the Lord as we close.
1: I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner
0: wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ.